Morning, glory, and evening, grace, America. To Hewitt, it's the last hour of the radio week. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, and this week his colleague, Dr. Stephen Smith. If you're just joining us or you're listening, not in real time but on tape delay, the first hour of this conversation, which plays on Good Friday, uh, just concluded with an introduction to who Dante is and what the Divine Comedy is and its place in literature and the approach and the general structure. But in case you just did walk in, I'm going to ask Dr. Smith to quickly summarize where we find Dante at the beginning of the Inferno and the hundred canto structure of the three uh, parts of the infer- of the uh, Divine Comedy. All right, so we're dealing with one poem, the comedy, in three parts, Inferno, Purgatorio, Paradiso, 100 total cantos, nice digestible cantos, about four to five pages each. At the beginning, he's lost in a dark wood, doesn't know how he got there. He's at the point of death. He's yielding to despair when the ghost of Virgil appears to help him. And Virgil has been sent by Beatrice, the love of his life. That's right. Now, she sends him for an interesting reason. She tells him, Virgil, my friend, she's been dead for a while, he is, is at the point of death. He needs help. Go with your ornate word. Go with your beautiful words and any skill you have to help him and, and help him. So I think the reason that Virgil is sent is because Dante just loves Virgil's poetry. And so loves the way he speaks loves his his words, his poetry. And so, you know, part of the point at the beginning of the poem is sort of like Augustine's Confessions, actually. You know, heaven uses everything to reach souls. So, hey, Dante loves Virgil. He's nuts about Virgil. Send Virgil. Okay, so why does he have to go down first? Because obviously you're in a dark wood. You'd just as soon get out of the garden, right? You'd just as soon get to vacation. Yeah. Well, at the beginning, he looks up and he sees that mountain, and Virgil's first question is actually, why don't you go climb the mountain? Dante starts to hem and haw a bit. He's got tears on his face. And Virgil says this, looking at him, when he saw my tears, he said, you need to take another way. And so there's something wrong with the pilgrim that requires the descent to the inferno. He can't ascend the mountain. He can't do what he wants to do right away. He has to go down first. Later, Virgil's going to say, this journey, the inferno, it's a journey of necessity, not delight for this guy. In other words, Dante needs the descent through hell to go up. Now, we, uh, this is Good Friday, and the Nicene Creed says, descended into hell uh, at the end of the crucifixion, Christ did. And right. so uh, is this a universal imperative in, in Catholicism that every single person has to do whatever this is? <laughs> if you, well, I think if you're in Dante's state... Which is which is lost in a dark wood, um, which is probably most folks. <laughs> you know, yeah. See, at the beginning of the poem, he says, "Midway upon the journey of our life." So right from the start, he links his story to our story. And in fact, readers are we're actually named as characters in the Divine Comedy. So we really participate in this. We go down with him. He calls attention to it all the time. And again, the the, the part of the mystery of the poem is. Why does he need it? What kind of education does the poem provide for this guy to get him out of that initial state? Now, Larry Arndt, obligatory suffering is a theme we've dealt with before and we'll deal with again and again and again. And and in the 20th century, the great expositor of that is Solzhenitsyn, who just believed in it, that it was the, the crucible in which everything came out of. But not everyone believes in that, right? The Epicureans didn't. 
Uh, well, they, you know, they were not as pleasure seeking. They, they, they were seeking the cultivated pleasures, right? And that that involved the denial of lower pleasures. And so, if your soul is not in a great state, then you will suffer a while until you learn what are the right pleasures. So, but you're right. But you know, of course, it's biblical about suffering. Suffering. Paul writes that tribulations are sent to make us better. And so this is an allegory of that kind of thing, of course. Um, and, and, you know, as Steve just said, this is Dante's. And you have to think for a minute, right? Because first of all, he's lost in a, in a dark wood. But he says right there in the beginning, in the first canto, we're going to heaven. And so he's conceived this whole thing at the outset. And, you know, it has these three parts. I don't know if we've named what they mean, but the first part is hell. And the second part is purgatory, where you are purged of all of the sins that make you unfit for heaven. And then the last part is paradise. And, and he sees the whole journey forecasted at the outset. He's a big lover of threes. And, uh, <laughs> and numbers. Let's, let, let's stay, and numbers. Let's stay in the first uh, nine circles, of the Inferno. Can you give us the structure of the Inferno, Dr. Smith, so that people can get in their mind what he's doing? Sure, just, just one other thing. Um, you know, Larry mentioned Purgatorio, the middle. Dante would be really happy just to leap right over from the dark wood to Paradiso. But the poem does not cooperate. He has to go down. And remember, when he, when he first wakes up in the dark wood, he has no idea how he got there. Right. This guy's self-knowledge is extremely limited. And part of the reason he needs to go down is to really grow in self-knowledge. He doesn't even realize how he got onto the point of spiritual death at the beginning of the poem, so he's going to learn that. But about the structure, um, there are nine total circles. Um, it, you may, if, if you Google you know, Inferno map, you'll find about 7,000 images of this. People love to draw maps of the Inferno. So nine circles, it gets tighter and tighter as you go down. In I mean, yeah, the, the circle is, is, is smaller. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a funnel or a kind of basin, you know. Uh, some have just likened it to a toilet, but that's another matter. Um, it's nine circles from top to bottom. Incontinence in general, so lust, gluttony, avarice, anger, sullenness, is punished in upper hell, and then violence and malice in a lower hell. The point there is that the, the, the worst part of hell is, is where um, you know malice is found, and malice requires our higher faculties to, uh, you know, to do its thing. Now, now, was this radical, by the way, the idea of different levels of hell? It is commonplace in language now, but in theology and certainly in Scripture, it's not. There are upper rooms of heaven. There are different, you know, Paul went to the vision of the third heaven, et cetera, but not really of hell, is there? No, you're pretty much up the creek. I mean, you know, the thing with Dante is this is a poem. I have to remind students of that. Its model is book six of Virgil's Aeneid. So in the Aeneid, Virgil's book about the underworld, book six, he tells the story of an underworld that has different parts and levels. But for Christian revelation, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, that hell is the definitive exclusion um, of the soul from communion with God and others. So there's really not any benefit to being in circle two or circle eight or... <laughs> You know, once you're past the evil river and in the inferno, um, you're among the lost. Well, that's what I was pointing to. Was that controversial, the idea that, 
you know, incontinence is not as bad as, as betrayal. No, uh, somebody like Thomas Aquinas will make a similar distinction, and Aristotle will too, between uh, incontinence and other forms of, of vice. So, you know, the incontinence is when, you know, you're ruled by passion, uh, you're kind of carried away by passion, like, like a sleeping man or a drunkard. Uh, but the malice is when you when you really choose to do it. You use those higher faculties. Injustice is your end, and you want to harm other people. Now, at the very bottom of hell, yeah. tell people what's there. Ice. You know, so instead of a lake of fire, uh, you find ice. And at the very bottom of the pit, up to his waist in ice, is Satan. And he has three heads. He's chewing on three traitors. He has great bat-like wings, and his wings are ceaselessly beating uh, in an attempt to extricate himself, an attempt to fly. And Dante adds, it was by the motion of those wings that all of lower hell is kept frozen. So he's kind of like the air conditioning unit down there. But it's really striking for most readers um, when they get there. I remember being very surprised the first time I read it that ice was at the bottom and not fire. Um, but that's the final image of, of sin in the poem is that immobility, being stuck, being being held in place by your own choices, your own desires, your own sins. And the very worst sin is betrayal. Mm-hmm. For Dante Young. Now, it, it, what to, uh, to what do you attribute that? The politics of Florence or his understanding of Christian theology and what happened to Christ in the garden? Yes, yes. And so the the, the ones who are being chomped on by Satan there at the bottom are those who conspired against Caesar, actually, and Judas Iscariot. So he sees betrayal and treason and being a traitor as uh, the worst evil. And the worst, the worst evil of all is to be a traitor to God. Expand on the, you just said a minute ago, Steve, high, uh, the worst sins involve the higher faculties. And hold on to that through the break. The worst sins involved, the higher faculties, is where we will pick up when we come back. This is the Hillsdale Dialogue each Friday with Dr. Larry Arn and one of his colleagues this week, Dr. Stephen Smith. And we're talking about Dante's Inferno. All of the Hillsdale uh, Dialogues are available at hughforhillsdale.com or via the button at hughhewitt.com or just go to hillsdale.edu. I'll be right back on the Hugh Hewitt Show. 21 minutes after the Hour Americans, Hugh Hewitt, welcome back to the Hillsdale Dialogue this week with Dr. Stephen Smith, a professor at Hillsdale College, along with Dr. Laron, the president of Hillsdale College. All of Hillsdale's courses and Imprimus, to which you can subscribe absolutely for free, are available at hillsdale.edu. On this Good Friday, we're talking about sin, we're talking about Dante and the Inferno, and we broke off talking about how the higher faculties, in Dr. Smith's words, lead to the worst sin in Dante. And Dr. Arnold just asked you to unpack that. Yeah, and so again, the top, of, the upper hell is is incontinence, you know, kind of being swept away by by passion um, and being carried away. But malice and fraud and and being a traitor and, and things like that, they require, you know, our reason, our intellect. They require dissimulation. Um, and Dante sees, well, he loves those higher faculties in in man. And he in, part of the poem is to... They're the divine part of man. Absolutely. And yeah. so the, the worst thing to do would be to put them in the service of evil. And they always, and because of that, they always involve a betrayal of God. Mm-hmm. To take the gift that he gave us that places us in his image and use it for evil. That That's the worst. I'm, I'm curious, do we know if he was a good man by uh, uh, an ordinary measuring stick? 
Um, well, I mean, we know that when he was banished from Florence, he, he really thought about some some violent, kick, you know, retribution there. Was he incontinent? Did he populate the, you know, the city? Did he leave children in every port? <laughs> no, he didn't. Okay, so. As far as we know. Okay, as far as we know. <laughs> now, the key cantos. There, there was no, you know, 1-800-Who's-Your-Dad. Well, who's it's your not dad, Ben you know? Franklin, right? Yeah. We're not talking about Ben Franklin, who was uh, incontinent in many respects, but also something of a genius. You know, I've never asked Larry on what he thinks of Ben Franklin. Someday. I have to be careful about these days because we've hired a young guy who's 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 really great po- politics professor, and he's heavily engaged in the resurrection of Ben Franklin. So, but Ben Franklin was a very brilliant and very important and very beneficial rogue. Rogue, exactly. <laughs> and, and if we find him in hell, we're going to find him in the first level, right? So, yeah, that's where he'll be. Right, so let's start with the neutrals. Now, this is this is is he walking along and stopping Virgil like in a zoo? <laughs> well, they're going to go from circle to circle, so they're going to d- descend down. But what happens is this: you go from the dark wood to rescue by Virgil, then you come to the gates of hell. And the gates of hell say, you know, through me the way into the eternal city, abandon all hope, you who enter here. And right after that, you pass under the gates and you meet the first group of souls. And those are the neutrals. And this is a fascinating group that Dante deliberately puts up front. They were, well, first they're humans and angels, neither for nor against God. He simply says they were for themselves. And that's the first group you meet. And he says, actually, heaven won't have them, and neither will hell. So hell's got some standards, you know. So, <laughs> are they legion? <laughs> are they everywhere? Yeah, there are a lot of souls, and um, it, they're, they're the lukewarm. And, you know, in the 20th century, um, Camus wrote The Fall, existential novel, and he calls attention to this vestibule of the inferno as well. And he says, you know, there are these angels who are neither for nor against and his narrator says, we're all on that vestibule. And are they in discomfort? Yes. That's the first kind of punishment you get to observe. They're, they're being stung to motion by wasps, and they are following an empty banner here, there, everywhere for all eternity. Oh. So you can see Dante always, uh, this is called contrapasso, but he always suits the punishment to the sin in some sort of poetic way. And so they didn't follow anything in life. Now they chased an empty banner. They didn't move. Now they're stung to motion. And every circle is like this. Now, I'm not going to ask for names, Dr. Arn, but I want you to keep your faculty in mind throughout this entire reading and, and, as, and, 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 and the Congress of the United States. We're, we're cultivating bees here. And, 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 if, and any other group, uh, we're going to find common traits among many large gatherings of people, and there are always going to be those neutrals in the middle, right? They're yeah. always – I mean – Every large group ever. What's the next circle? Uh, That's the circle of limbo, actually, where the classical writers are found. And this is where Dante gets excited to be, you know, numbered six among the the poets. But most commentators point out, you know, he doesn't see it at all, Dante. This is part of the reason why he needs to go down. He he basically says, you know, hot dog, I'm number six. Uh, But that's number six among the lost poets. So it's a ranking that he's proud of, but... He doesn't quite see that he's wishing himself into limbo. Does Virgil rebuke him for that? No, he does not. So like anyone in the poem, Virgil has things he sees very clearly and and blind spots. Hell is kind of united for Dante by blindness. 
and also by the loss of truthfulness. So, you know, he said, Virgil says at the beginning, you're going to meet the folks who've lost the good of the intellect. And so that could be either God or truth. I prefer truth because uh, when you encounter soul after soul in this place, you encounter folks who can't quite tell the truth about themselves, no matter how hard they try. That's part of the challenge of the poem is listening to their stories with Dante and trying to discern the truth. So what do the lost poets think about their own state? I mean, are they, who are they and what do they think of their situation? Well, you got Homer, Virgil, Ovid, Lucan, and Horace. And Dante is number six because it turns out comedy is not represented in the list. So he gets lucky. Um, but they, they're at, their eyes are neither joyful nor sad. They're just kind of slow. Uh, they have small conversations with each other. I'm small. They have conversations in small groups with each other in kind of low voices. They're experiencing actually something like Elysium. You know, limbo is the only part of hell that's actually well lit. And so they, they have a kind of experience of Elysium or bliss, but Virgil says the only rub to this place is that we live forever in hope but have no fulfillment. So it's shuffling around. Uh, and, and conversation. Uh, I'm yeah. reminded of the great divorce, and I and and you mentioned earlier that C.S. Lewis loved this poem, right? And and that is not unlike that that place where the bus gets off. Yeah, you know that that text is very very helpful and illuminating. You know, I think it's in Great Divorce that he mentions God's verdict on on humanity. He says, you know, at the end there are only two kinds of souls. There are souls that say to God, "Your will be done." And there are souls to whom God says, mm, your will be done. Now, are they, just, are they uncomfortable in limbo? Or are they just shuffling around making small talk? Well, yeah, that's a great question. What are you doing? You, you're looking around for a comfortable spot. <laughs> <laughs> they've, got, they've got a condo plan. It's, uh, <laughs> but it's, I just uh, want to know where to land. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it, it's in fact very nice. I mean, they've got this castle of the liberal arts going on down there, and they, they've got conversation but the the line that really haunts the passage, the only sound you hear when you enter limbo is sighing. And again, what Virgil said is, um, we have no hope, but we live in longing. We desire, but we will not have any fulfillment. So it's not, there's not torment like in the other circles, except for eternal desire without fulfillment. Well, what's interesting, they're not wasps, though. So what, what, no. what is it? They're, they're not as physically uncomfortable as the first circle, the neutrals. But no, they, are no. not, they are not happy, obviously. We come back and head down to the circles of lust, gluttony, suicides, violence against God, much more of interest on Good Friday or any day. Dante with Dr. Larry Arn, Dr. Stephen Smith of Hillsdale College, hillsdale.edu. Stay tuned. 34 minutes after the hour, America, it's Hugh Hewitt. I'm still perplexed, Dr. Stephen Smith, Dr. Larry Arn, my guest on this Good Friday edition of the Hillsdale Dialogue, as to why it would be worse to be a neutral, to be uh, a neutral, more dis- painful than to be in the next circle, uh, Dr. Smith, in limbo. Well, this is the thing. So the neutrals are sometimes called circle zero because, remember, hell didn't want them, heaven doesn't want them. So the first circle, the first step down in the inferno is into limbo. So, but this is the way the poem is very challenging, you know. The, the neutral life sounds, eternity sounds miserable. But then you have this strange canto about limbo. Dante is honored. He's really happy. But again, 
hope without any any fulfillment. Well, then then it begins to make sense because when you go from lust to gluttony to suicide, you're now yeah. following a path. And does it make right. sense to your students then? Yeah, you, you have to do a lot of you know. It's a it's a com, it's a difficult poem, and so to take it in daily portions, as Lewis said, step by step. But one of the best ways you can read the poem, and this is to grab a line from the very end, but it's really helpful. One of the souls at the end complains to Dante and says, why do you mirror yourself in us? Kind of like, leave us alone, you bum. Like, are you some kind, huh. of, tor- some sort of, some kind of tourist, you know? But that line um, seems to me really helpful. You know, why not look at each circle as Dante encountering mirror after mirror? Because I think that's, in fact, what's going on. Um, so first is the neutrals, then there's the classical poets, the lustful, it goes on. It's like he is encountering... Uh, what, version after version of his own desires. And Francesca is in the lust circle. What What's her story? Yeah, so she's the, the famous, you know, doomed lover, uh, lover of Paolo, and she tells Dante the story of how how they were converted to the Inferno. That canto, Canto Five, seems to have as one of its big sources Augustine's Confessions, but leaving that aside, he, um, Dante, hears the story she explains how she and this guy, they got together one day, they were alone, they suspected nothing, and they just decided to read a story of adulterous passion together. And at the end of the story, uh, Francesca blames love, she blames beauty, and she condemns the author and the book that they oh, were reading. So and so, and da- after all this, Dante just can't take him where he faints. Uh, boy, that's the jacques at everyone out there producing art, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the, the line is, you know, a pimp was that author and his book. That day we read no more, famous line. Uh, circle of gluttony next. Yeah, so you go from classical poetry, Dante loves it. Love poetry, amor, Francesca, he loves that too. Gluttony is the circle in which Florentine politics are discussed for the first time. He meets an old chum named Chaco, whose nickname was the Hog. And instead of talking about gluttony, they actually talk about politics. And this announces the political theme in the poem about Florence. And in the course of that conversation, Dante asks him, he says, you know, tell me, Chaco, all these guys I loved from Florentine mm-hmm. politics, where are they now? Do you know, does, does heaven sweeten them? Does hell poison them? And Chaco says... If you want to find them, you're going to have to go down quite a bit further here. Does at any point any of them tell him that some of them got out? What, what, what do you mean some of them that, got that, out? That some of his political accomplices are in Paradiso? No, he, he's taking it step by step. So, so they never give him a, a sense of other than despair. Yeah, see, the, the, the lost souls, they can't see the present moment. According to Dante, the present moment, because present moment has hope, right? Present moment is lost, but they can they can kind of give him these prophecies, and they can also tell him certain things about uh, the fate of souls. But uh, in the case of these political heroes, it's a real shock to Dante to find out that the political men he loves so much are found in the deeper pits below. Now, the next circle is probably, and I, I turn to Dr. Arnold. I want to say something about that. Go ahead. Sure. By the way, that means that there's a turning from those hatreds that he had before, right? That those don't seem as important anymore. Yeah. It, it because look what happened to them. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, he has to. He has to 
<laughs> the problem is Dante keeps finding circles where he'd probably be quite at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's got to stick. He's got to stick suicide in. And yeah. ever since reading *Sound and Fury* by Faulkner, I've always thought that that Catholicism, especially, what what was harsh on suicides. Hmm. And how do, he has to jam it in somewhere because it's not the normal sin, right? Right. Well, we just we're going through. Um, we're making a leap from gluttony to suicide. We're going to skip over um, anger and a whole bunch of other things. But stick there. Sit, wait, sure. wait for the pause. Forty-four minutes after the hour, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere with uh, Doctor Stephen Smith, Doctor Larry Arn of Hillsdale College. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Forty-four minutes after the hour, America. It's Hugh Hewitt wrapping up my Good Friday edition of the Hugh Hewitt Show. The Hillsdale Dialogue with uh, Doctor Larry Arn, President of Hillsdale College. Doctor Stephen Smith, who I hope will be back with us next week on the Purgatorio. But we've got to get through five circles of hell in eight minutes, Doctor Smith. <laughs> well, uh, as I said, I'm hitting on my my favorites now. So uh, <laughs> fasten your fasten your seat. I'm not going to talk about every circle, but the suicides. You know, for Dante. Um, self-destruction, uh, freely chosen, you know, it's, it's sort of like being the God of your life, you know, deciding the moment of your death. And uh, Pierre Delivigne is the character he meets in the Wood of the Suicides. Pierre is a, a kind of a prime minister. He is a poet. And when he falls from power, he is tempted to despair and then kills himself in prison. So his story, Hugh, is a lot like Dante's own story. You know, he was... Top, you know, top dog in his in his political world. He was undone by the envy of his enemies. He then kills himself. But this is a warning against despair. By by being where he is, he's yeah. telling the reader, yeah. "Don't do that." Well, that's exactly. You know, if you look back to Canto One, remember he spent a really bad night before the poem started. That was that Holy Thursday agony in the garden night, and a, a number of folks have wondered: Was Dante somehow you know tempted to suicide there? Is that what was, is that what was going on at the beginning of the poem? It's sort of mysterious, you know, but Pierre is uh, the, the the big suicide. So a politician poet who kills himself when he loses. So that's a particularly important encounter for Dante. Then there is Brunetto, and uh, I don't I don't get him at all. Yeah, so he is Dante's old teacher. He was a very prominent writer, and big influence on Dante's life. And that encounter is probably the most important in the poem so far because it's a teacher-student, father-son kind of moment, Dante cannot believe that Brunetto is in hell. And he says, you know, Sir Brunetto, are you really here? And the conversation unfolds, and Dante says, you know, Brunetto, if I had my will, you would not be here. If I had my will, I would undo this and get you out of here. And, you know, Brunetto appreciates that. But the uh, the other thing that comes up in the Brunetta Latini scene is what this guy taught Dante, and this is what's really important. Dante says, I can't shake the image of you from my mind, Sir Brunetto, how you taught me in the world from time to time, how man makes himself eternal. And for that, I'll be forever grateful to you. And so that line has caught the attention of most readers. Like, what does that mean? You taught, you taught me how man makes himself eternal. And the, the teacher of that wisdom, the teacher of that line is in the inferno. Yep. So there's part of the problem Pride. with the pilgrim, right? Now, I, I, I have to leap ahead because i got to get Arn a question. Uh, in the next circle of hell, we run into Odysseus, Ulysses, who is, in, in fact, the, the key guy in Plato's Republic. He's the fellow who will get you through the myth of Ur. Uh, and so 
you're inverting the the value structure here. He's in hell with the Dante, but he's at the top of the food chain when it comes to wisdom with Plato. <laughs> well, he's also one of the ones who you know palliates the disaster for Greek of the of the Trojan War, and so. Yeah, so good observation. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> so well, remember, remember at the end of at the end of the Republic is it's because Odysseus has learned from his former sufferings and the former experiences of his loves that the life of a private man is better than the life of a tyrant. He doesn't get a second chance in this hell, though, does he? he? No, he doesn't. And so it's not the same, you know, not the same Ulysses. In fact, Ulysses' big thing here, and, and like Brunetto, this is one of the the real um, key cantos. This guy's strongest desire is to gain experience and knowledge uh, for its own sake. He says, nothing, not my wife, not my, my father, not my son, not my home, not my native place, nothing could drive forth from me the ardor to go gain experience and to learn of virtue and vice, knowledge and, 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 and evil. And so that's his key desire. A lot of people wonder, like, what's the problem with that? Like, you know, that sounds like what Dante wants. It's, it isn't it striving to be God. It's the apple. It's the same deal. But I, yeah. I have to ask you about the betrayers uh, because people don't believe that there's a brother Al. It sounds like a rap song. Uh, and that here at the end of the journey to hell, you find brother Al. <laughs> yes, that was a bit of a running joke in class. It's, it's, uh, to give him his due, it's brother Alberigo. And um, he's the last uh, human character um, you hear from in, in the poem, Canto 33. And he tells Dante something pretty wild. And basically that his body is still on earth, but his soul is in the inferno. Ooh. And Dante can't believe, you know, what? You know, and theologians are like, that's not possible, you know. Uh, but the point poetically is that it is possible to be already in the inferno and still be alive on earth. And the only other character like Brother Al in the poem is Dante, right? He's got a body. He's in the inferno. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, so that last possibility in the poem that Dante throws out there is, you know, you can, you can be alive on earth and already be here in the inferno among these doomed then, lovers. Then they see Satan. Yeah. Behold hell. Yeah. This is kind of the final, I guess this is the last image in the poem. So Dante shows you the three-headed Satan chewing on the betrayer's Eesh. bat wings up to his waist in ice. And Virgil says really simply, this is the last sight of the poem, behold hell. This is it right here. You know, the angel that was created with the beautiful face, Lucifer, who through his own freedom has become a cannibal, um, kind of weeping fruitless tears, trying to fly, stuck in ice, pure tragedy. But they get out, and next yeah. week we get out, yeah. and we go to the Purgatorio, and, and you love that. Oh, that's my, that's my absolute favorite. Um, you know, for listeners, you know, everyone can get through the Inferno, but then folks tend to stop at the Inferno. Um, but don't you want to see the world with the lights on? You know, beauty comes back in a rush, color comes back. All your favorite words are given, you know, a glorious treatment in that poem. And so it's really the, the most beautiful, human, educational, informative part of the poem. 
Well, that's a beautiful recommendation to be here next week when we continue the Hillsdale Dialogue on Dante. Dr. Larry Arn, Dr. Stephen Smith, a, a happy Easter to you both. Thanks for spending Good Friday with us, and uh, thanks for leading, being our guide through those uh, circles of help. Go to hillsdale.edu, America, for all of the Hillsdale offerings, and hughforhillsdale.com for this and all the other Hillsdale Dialogues. I'll be back to wrap up this week's show after this. Stay tuned.